Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Well, we do want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Perhaps you're listening on the podcast. Hope Covenant, would you put your hands together for our online viewers and those that are listening via podcast. I do want to welcome Pastor Nathan Smith. Uh, Pastor Nathan is uh, one of the executive pastors at the Refuge Church, which is uh, our, I'm going to call it our sister church. And um, Pastor Jay, of course, is one of our apostolic elders. And it's just an honor to have you here. Uh, Nathan, I actually met you years and years ago when you were you were the worship leader at the Refuge back in the old building, back in the, the day of the humble beginnings, which we are in. And uh, the Bible says, don't just despise those. Those were great days for you. I know that. We're not despising them. We're digging them. And uh, the Lord's given us all of these amazing people that are here this morning and lots that are out sick. But uh, just an honor to have you here. Nathan carries the presence of the Lord. Um, when, when we bring speakers into this church, I look for a couple of ingredients. But I love people that don't talk about the presence of the Lord, but they literally carry it. Every time I'm in the presence of Nathan, I'm in the presence of the Lord. That's amazing. Nathan, I'm getting a little choked up. I'm sorry. I know this is an introduction. But when you are with somebody and you know you're with Jesus, how many of you know that's good people? And so with that said, I I really, I could go on about your bio, but who cares about all that? Uh, You carry the presence of the Lord. Would you guys welcome Pastor Nathan Smith this morning? I'm going to get your mic over here. Love you, bro. Yeah. Thank you so much. Gosh. Wow, I don't really know what to say other than praise the Lord. Um, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you guys, truly. Uh, and, and really, props to everybody for braving uh, the beautiful weather and for navigating the time change. Okay, so very proud of all of you. If we have some folks show up here in the next 20 minutes, just receive them with love. You know what I'm saying? Just receive them with love. So, month ago today, um, I was getting on an airplane headed over to Lexington, Kentucky. Um, some of you have heard about uh, the Asbury revival that had been taking place, Asbury outpouring, whatever you want to call it. You're not familiar with that. That's okay. Just a move of God, sovereign move of God that was taking place and uh, it's continuing to take place in central Kentucky. And uh, February 8th, that began just a normal chapel service. Uh, very normal. If you have if you've have taken an interest in this and watched it, it was extremely normal. Um, and to me, that's super encouraging uh, because there was no fireworks. It was just the simple preached word of God and hearts turned, turned towards the Lord. And a time of repentance broke out and people began to worship. And then for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, starting on February the 8th, students and people in the community there in Wilmore, Kentucky, a town of about 5,000 people total, um, just continued to meet there on the school campus. Um, a month ago on this Sunday, February 12th, I, I just, man, I'd been getting reports and hearing updates, and I'm like, I, I just got to be there. I just got to be there. And so praise the Lord for air miles. I had a few air miles in my account, and uh, Sunday at about noon, I was like, I think I'm just going to book a flight. And then two hours later, I, I was headed to the airport, getting on the plane, and flew to Lexington, and went over to Hughes Auditorium, and 
as I'm approaching the place, um, a, lot of, a lot of emotions, a lot of things stirred up in my heart. Um, some I'll explain to you a little better here in a second, but there's something powerful about something extremely ordinary that when you approach it, and you could just hear radiating out of the building this song of heaven, just people calling out, crying out to God. And there's just this, there's this awe, there's this wonder, there's this thing that happens in you where you're like, I want to be close to that, but I also don't want to touch it because I, I don't know, it just feels precious. It's almost like if you're a kid and you're, you're, you, you hold a family heirloom for the first time, or maybe when you were getting your license and your parents gave you the keys to the car to, to move, just move it, not even drive it, just move it the first time, and you're like, God, please don't let me scratch this thing. You know, please don't let me, um, at least that was my experience, and so I just approached it with, with awe and wonder and, and, man, just spent precious time in God's presence. It, it was meaningful for a lot of reasons. One, I was actually born in Lexington. Uh, my parents had surrendered to the call of ministry when I was a little boy. Uh, excuse me, before, before I was born and then when I was a little boy, uh, they moved to Wilmore, Kentucky and went to Asbury College when it was just a college. Methodist Wesleyan Holiness School. And I was born there, and then uh, we moved back there. I'm from the Gulf Coast originally, but we moved to the Gulf Coast after I was four years old, moved back to Kentucky my freshman year of high school because my dad was getting his doctorate. And while I was there, there was a movement of God that was happening in Canada, and a group from Toronto came and visited our little Methodist church. Now, that's a head-scratcher for a lot of reasons, but that was our story. And God impacted me there while I lived in Wilmore, Kentucky, Asbury, while my dad was in seminary. And it marked me. I heard these songs, these vineyard worship songs. I was 14 years old. I'd never heard anything like this in my life. People crying out to God with just this awe and this wonder. So all these memories and emotions are flooding as I approach the steps of Hughes Auditorium there at Asbury. Because I, as a kid with, with my family having connections to the school, I'd heard about the 1970 outpouring. So my whole life I'd met friends whose parents were part of the Asbury Revival of 1970. So I was very familiar with that. So to experience it in the now was just a precious thing. While I was sitting in there, I was just thinking about the wonder of the Lord and remembering moments when I've had similar feelings like this. And maybe you've had this, maybe you've had the privilege of this encounter. Maybe you have it, but I pray you'll have it soon if you haven't. Where there's just this beauty of the Lord that just, it, it's so sweet you don't want to touch it, but you don't want to go anywhere either. It, it's this dichotomy of feelings. It was, it was strange for me, you know, um, when I was back there, my, that one year, 1994 and 95, when my dad was getting his doctorate. We had been at the Gulf Coast, moved back to Wilmore there at Asbury for one year, and that's where I was touched by the Lord. And then right after that, my dad got assigned. My dad's a Methodist pastor. My middle name is Wesley, so I'm in it for life. You know what I'm saying? If you know anything about the Methodist movement. But my dad got assigned to church just outside of Pensacola, Florida. And so in 1995, after this touch from God, uh, in, as a little Methodist kid, uh, we moved to just outside Pensacola. And two weeks to the day after we moved there, this revival starts in Brownsville, and if you've ever heard about this, uh, special moments. And I'm, I'm a sophomore in high school, um, good Methodist boy. I'm going to just, you know, uh, the local high school. And I remember a young lady in the hallway trying to open her locker. Her hair is just going everywhere. And I'm like, what? 
It's a public school, big public high school. And I'm just watching. I'm like, is she having an epileptic seizure? I'm just being honest. Like I was really concerned. And I, and I wanted to approach her. And one of the guys standing beside me says, no, 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 she goes to that church. I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? So no, no, she goes to that church that hasn't stopped. And I'm like, well, my Methodist church is 150 years old. We haven't stopped. You know, like, well, what does that mean? You know, he's like, no, you don't understand. There's this church that God's doing something and they've been there 24 hours a day and they just keep crying out to God. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I remember watching this in my public high school as a Christian, but not one that had really encountered the fear of the Lord in a potent way and just thinking, I don't know what's happening right now. I'm in my public high school and you don't do that for attention. That is not cool. Okay, what I'm experiencing is not cool, you know. But there was just this awe and wonder. And I'm telling you, it affected me in such a way that I'm like, I, I got to go see what's happening. And so that, that all these memories are flooding as I'm walking up the steps of Hughes Auditorium there at Asbury. And why do I tell you that today? I tell you that today because, one, my heart's been stirred ever since about the beautiful fear of the Lord. And I just feel this stirring in my heart when, when Pastor Adam asked me if I'd come on this day. I was like, well, Lord, what's... What's in your heart? I've always got something I can say. That's one of the benefits of being someone who talks too much. I always got something to say. But I, I don't think I'm here to say whatever I feel like talking about. I think God has a word for his people. So I said, Lord, what do you have on your heart for your people there in Huntersville? And I just felt the beautiful fear of the Lord. And so that's what I'll talk about for the next few moments. If you've got your Bibles, would you open to Deuteronomy chapter 10, Deuteronomy 10. And um, if you've got a way to mark that either in a physical Bible with a little red ribbon, that's what it's for, or on your, like an open tab or something, open to Acts 9, Deuteronomy 10 and Acts 9. That's two, two key places. I'm going to read some other scriptures, but those are the two places I really want you to be. And that'll set you up for success. And as you're finding that, I just want to say again, how grateful I am to get a chance to be here with you today. It truly is a privilege Deuteronomy 10, and I'm going to start reading. I'm just going to read two verses. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read out of the ESV. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Deuteronomy 10 Verse 12 through 13. The very first thing he mentions is, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God? I, maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're new to relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been in the church your whole life. Um, but oftentimes I have found this fear of the Lord concept can be very confusing because we're like, well, wait a minute, am I supposed to be scared of God? I thought God was love. Doesn't it say perfect love casts out fear? So which is it? Is it both and? Is it either or? And so that's why I wanted to unpack this a little bit because I think the English language does us a few disservices when we're trying to talk about fear. The third definition in Merriam-Webster says it well, a reverential awe. A reverential awe. It's Easton's Bible Dictionary that says the fear of the Lord that's used in the Old Testament is used to designate a, a picture of true piety. Fear conjoined with love and hope. 
You're like, well, how does fear combine with love? Doesn't that sound backwards? Has that ever pulled a muscle in your brain before where you're like, I'm trying over here, God, but I'm not following exactly. Like we're all, we're like trying to nod and say amen, but we're like, I really am not really following this. So um, that's okay. Let me just give you a little bit more. We're going to unpack it for the next few moments. But here's what I believe. Why should we spend a few moments talking about this? Because I believe God wants to reveal the beauty of the fear of the Lord. And I believe what he wants to do in that is draw you closer to him. And that's, that's why I'm here today. And I feel like that's why God has sent me to share these thoughts. There's three big ideas that I want to draw out. The first one is this. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. So let's fear the Lord. Now, I think sometimes in modern church, we can work so hard to make sure people feel comfortable and make sure people feel like God is accessible, and He is. He's the kindest. He's the most wonderful. But sometimes in that, we can diminish His all-consuming power. And the fear of the Lord draws us close when we allow it. That Deuteronomy 10, what was that first command? What does the Lord God require of you? It's required, but to fear the Lord your God. Here's what I would say. A lot of us don't have a full picture of the love and mercy of God because we've diminished how powerful he is. When you recognize how powerful he is and that he still loves you, when you recognize how pure and holy he is and that he still loves you, all of a sudden it makes that love feel all the more weighty because we recognize I am anything but holy and blameless. And yet he loves me when I recognize that he is all-powerful. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. How? With reverence and awe. Guess what that is? Fear of the Lord. But what does it say? For our God is a consuming fire. Now, this may be like, okay, maybe I am supposed to be scared of God. All right, well, hang with me. Here's what I want to show you. Most of us are not freaked out too much right now, at least not at this moment. Once I say it, you may get a little stir going. But we're not too worried about the thousands of volts of electricity that are running through the walls in this room right now. Like it's literally happening as we speak. Thousands of volts of electricity are running. It's powering these lights. It's powering these things. It's running. It's in the walls. It's literally happening right now. Why are we not worried about this? Because we've learned how to relate to it in a way that is acceptable. There's insulation. There's things that are put. There's got conduits. There's certain ways. We we recognize that it's powerful, but we've learned how to relate to it in a proper way so that we receive the benefit of its power without experiencing the shock and awe. That can take place. If you take a bobby pin and stick it in that outlet over there, right? You will discover just how powerful this electricity is if we don't relate to it properly. Does that make sense at all? So I don't have to be afraid unless I'm not relating to it in the proper way. So there is a fear. I recognize that this electricity is powerful. It's why I don't blow dry my hair while standing in the bathtub. You understand what I'm saying? You know, like you're like, I understand it's powerful, so therefore it constrains me in some ways. Not because I'm scared to death, but I recognize that it's powerful. 
When I elevate my view of God again and recognize he is the all-consuming fire that also loves me with an everlasting love, it creates an awe and a wonder in your heart that says, who is this God that he would love me? You see, when we don't relate to power properly, it's not personal. It can't help but be powerful. The electricity doesn't have any axe to grind with you. It just cannot help but be powerful. Our God, who is purely holy and purely good, cannot help but be powerful. So that's why he's given us his word to show us how to relate to him in a way where we receive all the beautiful benefits of that, as opposed to having to be fearful of who he is. Does that make sense to some degree? If you're not fully there, it's okay. I still love you, and I don't take it personal. Um, I want to show you this in Job chapter 38. You don't have to turn there. It should be in your notes, but I just want to read this to you because oftentimes, again, this whole idea of there is this holy fear. There is a reverential thing, and we need to remind ourselves that we should relate to him in the right way, and one of the best ways to remind ourselves of the all-consuming power of our God for me is to read Job 38, and anytime I'm feeling like you know, God, I just uh, I know you're for me, but I'm just really scared. I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z. It could be because I've diminished again how powerful he is. But here's a conversation between God and Job. And I'm just going to tell you, I have a hard time reading this without my heart beating a little bit fast, okay? And that's the fear of the Lord. So let me just read it to you. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Now, how about that for starters, okay? It wasn't like in this sweet little, you know, it's a small world after all. It's a storm going on, and God speaks out of the storm. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Now, I would just say that's quite an opening line. Okay, that's the Lord speaking to Job, all right? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked out its dimensions? Surely you know. Now, I'd just like to just comment for a second. God's kind of busting a little bit sarcastic on Job right here. Y'all seeing this? He's like, now where, were, now, where were you again when I was creating everything? Oh, that's right. You didn't exist. I remember because I'm all powerful. You're just Job, right? I, I think this is fascinating. I love, I love God's character. Who marked up this to me? Surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together? My God. And all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and I set its doors and its bars in place. And God goes on. This is, job, this is God handing Job his business card. Hey, just in case you, you forgot, this, this is who I am. And sometimes we want to back away from that because we're like, ooh, that sounds intimidating. Can I tell you something? That's the God who loves you with an everlasting love. He cannot help but be powerful, but he invites us close if we'll relate to him in the way that he asks us to. And it's beautiful. Why do we need this fear of the Lord before I go to our next point? Because life is challenging. And if we're not careful, the devil will make us feel that he is big and bad and our God is this sweet little... Right, we have these pictures of Jesus. He looks Norwegian. You know, he looks like he lives in the trees and eats yogurt all day, you know. And it's, if, we, if we're not careful, we can, we can think, well, God is good 
but the devil is powerful. We maybe wouldn't say that out loud, but I see people live this way. Well, don't say that. The devil's listening. I'm like, do you remember who my God is? The one who hung the stars like pictures on a wall? The one who speaks... This is who my God is. We need to bolster our faith in the all-consuming fire today, which requires a little bit of reverential awe, fear of the Lord, but it's beautiful. But it's beautiful. John Calvin, the reformer, said this, nothing is more powerful to overcome temptation than the fear of God. Again, it's I want to relate to him well. I want to relate to the Lord well. Not because I think he's going to try to knock me over the head. I just recognize he can't help but be powerful. And he's pure. When my family, yesterday was my wife's birthday. We went and had some sushi because we are some sushi folks, okay? And praise the Lord. And so um, we went, and, and so you get a little slice of ginger with that. If you've ever done this before, if you think it's gross, just hang with me. But you get a little slice of ginger. And a lot of people say, oh, I love ginger. Or they'll say, I love garlic. And I'm like, yeah, I doubt you just get a garlic clove and, and just kind of chew it on it, you know, or a clove of ginger. It's too potent. It's too potent. Some people are like, well, I might try it. Okay, but it is really powerful, you know. Um, and so we just have to recognize, we relate to it rightly, we can benefit from it, but it is very, very powerful. Maybe a better example would be some of you who appreciate literature, you'll remember The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. C.S. Lewis's story where Aslan the Lion is kind of the depiction of God. If you didn't know that, this, it was written on purpose as an allegory. Let me read a quote from his book. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I think some of us have too safe of a God. And he's real sweet. And he's very organized and neat. And so when the devil tries to intimidate us, we don't run to that God because he can't do much for us. We need a little bit of the fear of the Lord that recognizes the all-consuming fire that he is. That's the beauty of the fear of the Lord. Here's the second point, and I'm picking up steam, all right? Second point, fear governs our affections. Fear governs our affections, so let us fear the Lord. Let me show you this in Psalm 25. You think I forgot about Acts 9. We're going to get there. Psalm 25. Let me read this to you. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. Think about this. Friendship? When have you equated friendship and fear before? Right? Friendship of the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. And in the NIV, it says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. The New King James says, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. Fear governs our affections. If we relate to God rightly, it draws us closer into who he is instead of keeping us away from him because we recognize how to rightly relate. Again, to use the electricity example, an electrician understands how powerful the electricity is. He just also understands how to relate to it. 
So God has given us his word to show us how to be in relationship with an all-consuming fire. How do you even do that? He's like, good question. How about I give you my word that shows you what it looks like? Are we reading it? Are we spending time with the Holy Spirit who will teach us these things? Are we in covenant fellowship? And that's why it's so important that we are. How can I prove this in another way? I'm going to flip over to Proverbs 29, just one verse. Verse 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So if I fear God, it draws me into friendship with him. If I fear man, it pulls me into a snare. And we've all been there. We've all been there. 100% participation. Listening online, watching online, 100%. We've all been in that place and we feel stuck because of the fear of man. How about the fear of the Lord? Watch this. I, I quoted Psalm 25, 14. Now let me go back to Psalm 25, 15. We said it, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He makes known his covenant to them. Verse 15, my eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Guess what? In the NIV, it says he'll release my feet from the snare. Friendship with God is reserved for those who fear him, and it pulls me out of the snare of the fear of man. Because when I recognize how all-powerful my God is, I'm no longer as concerned about what people think or say. And I'm not stuck anymore. I'm drawn into the beauty of relationship with this beautiful God. Is that making some sort of sense to you today? I pray that it would help you. I'll remind you this. James 4 says this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. God wants to pull us out of that snare and he does it by the fear of the Lord that says, I honor you above every other thing. And if we'll do that, we keep our eyes on him, God will release our feet from the snare. William Grinnell said this, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. If you're struggling today, you're paralyzed, feel like you can't move forward in your business. You feel like you can't move forward in a relationship. Can't move forward in what you feel like God's called you to because of what people have said, what they do, what they say. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you into this beautiful fear of the Lord that will release your feet from the snare so that you can be in right relationship with the one who is all powerful. Here's the last thought. The third idea of this beautiful fear of the Lord is fear orders our priorities and our worship. It does. Read a familiar passage to you quickly, Genesis 22. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The first mention of the word fear in Hebrew, yareh, which is here in the Old Testament, is in this passage in Genesis 22. Ironically, the first mention of the word worship in the New Testament, shakal, is here in Genesis 22. It's in the same passage. Fear and worship. 
going hand in hand because fear sets our priorities and fear governs our worship, believe it or not. And if you don't, if you don't sense that to be true, then I want to pose it to you this way. I don't care how ready for bed you are. I don't care how cozy the jammies are. I don't care how much sleep you need and what's happening tomorrow. If you see a roach before you get in that bed, can I just tell you something? Your plans just changed. They just did. No one asked any questions. It just changed. Because we all know it's horrible to find a roach anywhere close to you when you're trying to go to sleep. But there is something worse. It's losing track of where that roach is after you've seen that he's... Hello? Amen? Can I get an amen on this, right? Because instantly, my entire plan has changed. I don't care what the plan was. Why? Because this thing has showed up, and the fear of what could happen has now ordered my every step. I'm not lying up here. I love all of you. I'm just telling you the truth, okay? Because now we will, or, we will restructure everything to make sure we know what's going on in that situation. And this is why the enemy wants to use fear in a negative way to order our priorities. So God's solution, the beautiful fear of the Lord that says, if you will fear me first, if you'll say, God, but what would you have me do in this circumstance? And he's like, well, son, I want you to trust me. I want you to say this. Oh, God, anything but that. Do you trust me? Do you fear me? I do, God, but ooh, then I want you to trust me. And it will order my steps. Is that making sense to you today? This is why we need to rediscover the fear of the Lord. It's so important. The truth is, some of us, and I don't mean this with any cruelty. On my heart, actually, I've been praying for you. Some of us are so scared of being alone that we'll compromise so much about what we believe to be what God would have us do. But that fear has now taken the driver's seat. And I'll do whatever I have to do because of the fear of being alone. And now it orders my steps. And it actually gets put in the place of where the fear of the Lord should be that will keep me in relationship. It'll bring me into friendship with God. Some of us are so scared of being taken advantage of that we're skeptical of everything and everybody because that fear is now ordering our priorities. And the Lord's like, that's a snare. It's a snare. And here's here's the heart of God today for you. My name's Nathan. I'm your friend. This is what he told me to tell you. Here's his heart for you today. I want to set you free from that snare. But the key is the beautiful fear of the Lord that says, oh God, I want to honor your opinion above every other opinion. Oh God, I want to honor your way above every other way. Some of us are scared of not having enough. If that's you today, that makes you a bad person. It actually means you have a pulse, right? It's just hard. Life's hard, right? But here's the heart of your father today. I don't want that fear of not having enough to make you a workaholic. I don't want it to tear at your family relationships because that fear will try to work its way to the highest place, which is only reserved for the fear of the Lord. This is why the fear of the Lord is so important because it will order us. Three big ideas 
We fear the Lord because he is an all-powerful God. We fear the Lord because fear governs our affections and it'll draw us into friendship with him more or it'll get us stuck in the snare of the fear of man. And fear orders our priorities and our worship. Make no mistake, when that roach shows up and I don't know what to do, it has now taken the seat of authority in my life if I will give it to it. Silly example, but a real one, and something that will help us kind of put our fingers on the pulse and say, okay, God, when I get the phone call, when they make the comment at work, when my spouse does the thing or doesn't do the thing or whatever, and that fear tries to take its place and order my life to where now I feel like I have to do X, Y, and Z because of fear. No, no, Lord, would you just come in and let the holy, beautiful fear of the Lord take its place? Last verse, Acts chapter 9. I told you we'd get there. Some of you doubted. That's okay. I still love you. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And I believe this is for Hope Covenant. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord, watch this, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Who would have thought that the fear of the Lord goes alongside with the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But there's a comfort that comes when we have God in the right place in our heart and mind that we can say, I know the all-consuming fire. He's for me and not against me. And it's not because I'm so great. It's because he's so great and he has given his son, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, that I can come into relationship with so that I can be in proper fellowship. And as I place him in the highest place, that orders my life and it brings comfort from the Holy Spirit so that we can be fruitful and multiply. And I'm believing that's God's heart for you today. As a church, we must rightly fear the Lord so that we can walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and be effective in our communities. The beautiful fear of the Lord. We recognize His power. We recognize His love. We recognize that that fear orders our lives. It brings us into relationship with Him in a greater way. And I just want to take these final moments and just pray over you. Adam, if you wouldn't mind coming, man, and just using your gift, man, such a blessing just want to pray for you today because here's what I feel like God put on my heart, that there are those today, and when I say those, it's all of us, but there might be some specific examples for us where we feel like the enemy has tried to use that fear of things or people or circumstances to rob us of relationship with God, to rob us of him being in that first position in our lives. And if that's you today, I just want to pray for you. I just want to give you an opportunity as the team sings over us, just right where you are, I want you to just do business with God for just a moment. I'm going to pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we just say, first of all, Lord, you are good and your love endures forever. God, I thank you that you're for us and not against us. I thank you that today, God, you have an everlasting love that is jealous for more time with us 
that's jealous for more of our heart to be surrendered. And God, who are you that you would pursue us? Lord, you're the beautiful one. We're the ones with all the stuff and challenges and fears and phobias. But Lord, you pursue us in love. God, today we want to return the favor. We want to say, God, with every little thing that we have, God, we just want to say we want more of you. And I just pray right now, Father, that the fear of the Lord that draws us into relationship, that helps us recognize you are good, but you are all-powerful. And I don't have to be scared because you're good, but you are all-powerful. And I thank you that you are because I've got some big challenges in my life. And I don't need a sweet little God that will will just, you know, high-five me on the sideline. I need the mighty lion of the tribe of Judah who will roar with power over every plan of the enemy against me. And I thank you that's exactly who you are today. So, Father, I just pray that we would tap into the beautiful fear of the Lord. You're here today and... You just feel the Holy Spirit just lovingly. This is the way he operates. It's so beautiful. Just that loving knock on the door of your heart that says, man, this this has been out of order. There's been some fears that have tried to make their way to the highest place in your life. It's trying to order your priorities. It's trying to order your worship. And you're like, "I, I know it's not for me. I just want you to have an opportunity to come and just make a space here right at the front. It's not, it's not for my sake, it's for your sake. It's not that God can't meet you right where you are. I just think there's something beautiful about taking a step. And if that's you, I just want to pray over you today. If you're watching online and that's that's where you are, I just want you to, man, just find a safe space. Maybe you're listening in the car. Man, just pull over for a second. Or maybe you're there in your living room. Man, just, just shut the noise out. And can you just take a minute, make an altar right there and say, King Jesus, I want to recommit my life to you. I want you to order and govern my steps. Draw me into deeper relationship. Draw me into deeper relationship. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.